Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas, except it is just me today. Rico did not watch the show that we're going to talk about today. Um, welcome, everyone, to this very special episode of Debaki Rambles. We are on hiatus right now. Season 2 is going to drop early 2022, so be on the lookout for that. But there was a massive upheaval in the world of K-drama with regards to a Netflix show that has taken the world by storm. And so me and my special guest today are going to talk through Squid Game. Rico has a brother and his brother's name is Miguel. And Miguel is here with me today to talk about Squid Game. Welcome, Miguel. Thanks very much for having me, especially for Squid Game. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this kind of came about because I was starting Squid Game and just before I started it, you were texting me about Squid Game. And so I was like, oh my God, Miguel's watching Squid Game. <laughs> so I got very excited. We really didn't talk about our our thoughts at all about the show. Mm-hmm. But we did happen to finish around the same time. So I was like, oh, perfect. Miguel, do you want to come on Devok? And you were like, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So I know, like, what is your history with K-drama and, uh, you know, with with me and and everything? So history with K-drama and history with you are actually pretty intertwined. Um, I started watching K-drama back in 2000 and I'd say eight or nine. Back when, before the streaming, before Drama Fever, before Netflix, you know, go to the Korean market and like try to find these loose DVDs and little plasticine covers with bad subtitles. But like I would pick them up and I would just I would watch all of them for the longest time. I didn't know anybody who watched Korean dramas like at all, like everyone watches manga or rather anime or this or that. But then I met Jessica and I remember making an off the cuff remark about this Korean show I was watching and you just like froze. You're like, wait, you you watch Korean. I was like, yeah, I watch a lot of Korean dramas then more than now. Um, But for years, I would just watch these shows, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is digging way back now. But like Coffee Prince. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Super way back. Um, Well, there's so many, but. There was a lot. I watched a lot of those and I moved on to movies. Then I moved on to Korean music. Suffice it to say, I'm here and there with Korean stuff all the time. And I'm glad I met Jess because for the longest time we would just like geek out about all these new Korean shows. It's crazy that it's exploded the way that it has. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. Like It's insane. Like Like, when we were talking about this years ago, mm -hmm. we were the odd people out. Like nobody knew about K-dramas. Nobody was talking about K-dramas and it was like uncool. Like people around us would make fun of us for consuming like foreign entertainment. And even somebody who would be, you know, if somebody was willing, oh, okay, sure. That sounds really interesting. Where can I watch it? Well, do you know the Korean market on Pines? (laughs) (laughs) If you go to the back, past the little fridge with the coffees and you make a left and right before the dehydrated fish, you're going to find a shelf of movies where and they're like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. Impossible yeah. to watch. It's so much easier to consume K-dramas and Korean movies and just general entertainment today than it was so many years ago where you had to like buy the DVDs and and find it in the supermarkets. It was just not accessible like it is today. And this this show that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes is like the culmination of, of the streaming 
mm-hmm. just being like the perfect storm. This is the big payoff. This it is, is the everything big payoff. coming together to show this is Korean media is finally on the map. And I'm here for it, if not a little bit spurned, but you know, like, mm, okay, like, we'll get into it. Maybe don't, a few don't years earlier. No, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel too it's like okay now on this show okay um <laughs> before we get started if this is your first time listening go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app we're on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and many more if you like us please please give us a review on apple Podcasts. that's going to go such a long way for us to be heard by more listeners Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ATC Pod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod, which is our main movie podcast. Okay, we're going to talk about Squid Game now. The My Drama List synopsis. Do you want to give that to us, Miguel? All right, yeah, sure. My Drama List synopsis. After a failed business venture, the debt-ridden chauffeur, Seong Ji-hoon, lives his life gambling away the money that he mooches off of his elderly mother while failing to provide for her and his estranged daughter. Uh, When his life finally hits rock bottom, he receives an irresistible offer promising him 45.6 billion won prize in exchange for winning traditional uh, Korean children's games against 455 other players. Among them is his childhood friend, Chu Sang-woo, and commencing the games, the participants soon learn of the deadly consequences that come with losing these games. Ooh, boy. And that's, p- to put it lightly, I feel, so deadly lightly. consequences, but come on. Um, this aired in its entirety on September 17th, 2021. It is a Netflix original show. It is only nine episodes long, and it is written and directed by the same dude, Hwang Dong-hyuk. This is his first drama series ever. He is coming from the cinema world. He wrote and directed Miss Granny from 2014 and Silenced from 2011. Both great movies. I have never watched Silenced, but I have watched Miss Granny. Miss Granny's hysterical. Definitely give it a watch. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go through our cast really fast. We have Lee Jong-jae plays um, Song Gi-hoon. And he's player 455. He's the main uh, character in the show. We have Park Hesu plays Cho Sangwoo, and he is a childhood friend, also playing the Squid Game. We Ha Jun plays Huang Jun Ho, and he is a cop. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And then we have a host of side characters, which I know that we'll go through and talk about. So they're. Real names are Jung Ho Yeon, Oh Young Su, Chapathi Anupam, Kim Ju Young. Man, that was tough. <laughs> <laughs> ho Sung, Sung Tae, Gong Yu, Lee Byung Eun, and Kim Young Ok. Um, we can talk really fast about these people. So Lee Young, Lee Jung Jae, sorry, is player 456. My bad, I said 455 earlier. He has been a Korean cinema staple since 1994. He's been in movies like Il Mare. I say Il Mare. How do you say that? You I know? think it's Il Mare, right? Is it I, Il Mare? Isn't in it? In my mind, it's Il Mare. But like, Il I don't Mare. think that well, let me I have see. it right. Anyway. Oh, no, wait, yeah. It might be Italian, right? Il Mare. Like, but mm-hmm. like, I, that, I feel like it's wouldn't somehow that be the Italian and Spanish. It sounds Italian. I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> Il Mare from Il Mare. 2000. 
Yeah, that's the the movie that the Lake House is based on. So if you've seen Keanu and Sandy in the Lake House, Il Mare is the movie that that's based on. He's also been in The Housemaid from 2010. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent you. That the, was a jarring, uh, sy- yeah. <laughs> oh man! So I sent you the synopsis for this for this movie the house made and i sent you a couple of screen stills <laughs> i was like i've been kind of traumatized by this movie <laughs> i wanted to put it behind me it's an erotic a movie like th- almost like a thriller but not really it's yeah. um it's jarring i don't know if i recommend it to you guys but he is definitely a stud in that movie so he's got <laughs> range so <laughs> he's got range. the boy has range and he's also been in the movie Assassination from 2015, which is really excellent. I would definitely recommend that movie to anybody. Pake Su is his childhood friend in the show. He has been on the TV show Prison Playbook and in movies like Time to Hunt from 2020 and Persona in 2019, which is kind of like a short story, mm-hmm. um, episodic sort of thing movie I, I can't even call it a movie really but it's like an anthology it's very weird. crammed together like, it is an yeah. anthology that's the word i was looking for and it stars iu both mm. of those movies you can watch on netflix and then we have i just i guess we should talk about Weehajun because the cop because yeah. he has kind of exploded out of the show everyone is uh just so riled up nowhere. by him because he's yeah <laughs> keep your pants on people keep <laughs> It's, it's not that serious, but he was in Romance is a Bonus Book and Something in the Rain. Both of those shows are available on Netflix. So this show has taken the world by storm, as we said before. It is Netflix's biggest ever series launch. It was number one on the platform for weeks. It's been watched by two thirds of all Netflix users. That amounts to 144 million subscribers that have watched at least two yeah. minutes of Squid Game. That's insane. It's it was in one there was a few days there where it was 90 or it was a uh, number one in 90 countries, number one in 90 countries. And something that really brought that to light was just the process of getting it made. Uh, hmm. there, there's a story floating around and I managed to look into it and it's like, oh, OK, so it's real. The creator of the show wrote this way back in 2009. Like this was hmm. like done ages ago and he shopped it around and shopped it around and nobody wanted it. Uh, at some point he hit financial situation so bad he even had to sell the laptop that he wrote the story on. It was like, it was basically like a Korean drama. And then (laughs) a few years pass, you know, Korean media gets more attention and look, it's number one everywhere. Look at all these people just watching this Korean show and all the dubs. um, (laughs) Yeah. And all the dubs. We'll talk about that in a second. But that story reminds me of Sylvester Stallone and Rocky. Mm. Because he mm-hmm. wrote Rocky when he was like dirt poor and really struggling and he had to sell his like beloved dog and all this stuff. And then when he finally made the movie and inked a deal for him to also star in it, he started making money and he went to go buy his dog back. It was like this crazy success story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I remember that about the dog too. Love like stuff he like sold that. his dog. <laughs> yeah. I need to get him so, back. <laughs> I know. It's like the first thing you do is get back the thing you lost. Um this show I cannot stress to you guys how many people have watched this show, how it is now in the zeitgeist Hmm. for a K-drama to be this prolific. I mean, I'm proud. I feel very proud that like, and 
ecstatic that people are actually watching a K-drama. And they're putting their you money know? where their mouth is, too, because for Halloween, uh, this this statistic came out with the vans. They all wear plain white vans in the show. The sale of plain white vans worldwide increased over 7,000%. White vans, for the first time in ages, were <sighs> oh sold out for one day. They were sold out. Everybody's going to be wearing this for Halloween. This is the it's hottest Halloween moment. costume. You can't take two steps in any direction without seeing a meme about the show. Like, <laughs> it's everywhere. Like, it's so... It, it really resonated with people. It, mm-hmm. it struck a nerve in a good way. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> massive. I uh, I want to know what you think. Why, why did you think it did so well? I think there's a few things at play. I think that the concept itself about playing childhood games, but with deadly stakes is fascinating for anyone. Mm. Um, if you tell us like, oh, we're going to play tag. Oh, okay, cool. But then you play tag and the stakes are, oh, you need to win or you're going to die. I think that really catches a lot of people's attention. There's a certain underdog element going on. There's a lot of people in bad financial situations in the show trying to overcome that. And Mm -hmm. we get, we, we get to peer at different versions of the same story. Not everybody's broke for the same reason. They all have their motives. We all want to cheer on the person who, doesn't seem like they're getting a fair shake. So I think there's a lot of themes here that are interesting across so many cultures, like childhood games and, you know, don't die. And don't die. <laughs> a chance to, like, against all odds, get rich yeah. and get out of every problem you are. I think that's something that really works with a lot of people. Yeah, I think that people were surprised by the violence as well, Super. which is pretty unusual for even a K drama to have this much gore. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It, and it, for it a Western audience, <laughs> it, yeah, okay, we'll talk about it. But for a Western audience, I think that was probably the best idea. Yeah, I think you so. Know, we're we're living in a you know an HBO age where mm-hmm. you can watch anything you want, and there's not really a cap on it, a limit on what they can do in television shows that yeah. aren't on cable. And lampshading doesn't so. seem to work with a lot of people anymore. Like people don't want that old trick where, for example, let's say someone gets shot and they move away and they, you know, the the camera moves mm. away and only shows a shadow of someone being killed. Like we've seen so much now, people want a visceral look. Oh, that's what happened to this person. Yeah. So it definitely works. Yeah, <laughs> it worked for me. One last thing <laughs> we'll talk about before we get into our thoughts is the translation woes and the oh ugly God. dub that happened on this show. So I didn't necessarily feel the translation badness when I was watching it because I have a little bit more of a trained ear and was like filling in the blanks, you know, right, with my own right. knowledge and of the culture and stuff. And um, things like when people say like Hyung and in the translation it says their name, I'm like, that's not yeah, that's, that's not, not what, what they're saying. Said. You know, <laughs> or like when they that's say not the meaning of that instead of their name. That's like right, exactly. So, so it was like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the translation and the dub, which I personally have not not seen this show dubbed. The dub. So 
just for context for listeners out there, I'm really, really big into like linguistics. I love different languages. So if there's ever a dub for something, I'm the person who watches like the compilation of a Disney song in 40 different languages. Like I love to see what they do. (laughs) I love to see how they go about translating stuff. So I sat there and I watched a quarter of the first episode in every dub after I had already seen it fully in Korean. So I watched the first like 20 minutes and or first 15 minutes in English and then French and then Spanish. And then so it was great, but it wasn't great because the English (laughs) dub, the English dub, I think, let me go with the translation first. As far as translations go, they did as they did a much better job than what they could have done. There's so many nuances with the language and the culture that just aren't going to translate. The show is already working on the assumption that you are Korean. You know what games they're playing. You know what mm. it means. If this happens, then that happens. So to translate everything the way that they did and somehow communicate everything for a global audience is a massive undertaking. There are some things, unfortunately, like some poetic phrases and stuff that are lost in translation. Mm. But I feel like when you're translating something this complex, it's probably best to be a little more utilitarian instead of poetic. Um, the mm-hmm. dub quality of the actors in English, I thought were very poor. <laughs> like <laughs> I, it was, it was just, it wasn't distractingly bad. And we'll talk about distractingly bad because there's a whole English thing that goes on in this show, but we'll talk about that in the spoiler space. Um, <laughs> the French dub, believe it or not, was really good. The Spanish dub oh. is really, really good. Like they translate a lot of like the poetic stuff that gets lost when moving it to English. But in general, just watch the Korean one. Like just watch the Korean one. Just watch it subbed. Like I understand it's not for everyone, but that's really going to be the only way that you get the emotion, the passion. Mm -hmm. Just watch it. Yeah. But they did a good job. They did a good job. If if you have to watch a dub, it's fine. And if, you know, if you don't know Korean, the subs, they work. They do what they're supposed to do. So Right. Okay. So with that being said, we've come to the end of our uh our general <laughs> Netflix success bit. What did you think of Squid Game, Miguel? Overall, uh yeah. I liked it a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Yeah. Until the very end. Oh, the ending. Yes. I Okay. I, I love the show. From beginning literally unto, until the ending, because then it turned into this whole thing. Are we in spoiler space now? No, no, we no. are not in spoiler space. Okay. I'll, I'll announce it when we Anyway, are. Uh, it was a nearly perfect show. That's wow. how I felt about it. It was nearly perfect, and I still like it. I'll still recommend it with disclaimers, but I it's a near perfect show and i think with all the memes and all the culture and everything look like it's nine episodes it's an essential watch officially like you have to watch it mm-hmm. but you know i liked it very much <laughs> that's all you I liked like. it very much i liked it very much <laughs> okay choices were, will, made. <laughs> uh, choice, choices were made so i also really liked this show i think that a lot of people were put off by the violence put off by the blood and gore and guts and just general um, queasiness of the subject matter. Right. But yeah. I think that it really works for me. I, I don't know why, but my sensibilities, they don't necessarily lean toward gore and violence and all this stuff. But 
I seemed to be really comfortable <laughs> with it. It never felt and gratuitous. It never felt gratuitous to me. Mm-hmm. Did I never checked out. I was never like, oh, no, that crossed the line. I was just like, okay, that's par for the course. I know what I'm getting into as soon as the first episode or the first game necessarily gets going. Then yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm, I've strapped in. Like, I'm ready. So I think if you have gotten this far into the episode and you have not watched Squid Game and that's not your bag then sorry, don't watch it. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from. That's the reason why Rico didn't watch it. He's like, no, no, it doesn't interest me in the in the slightest. That's not my my bag. Yeah, I mean, and I will say that it do, if you're worried about violence, it's less, it's less like Saw violent. You know, mm. it's less like Serbian film violent, Texas Chainsaw Massacre violent. It's not that kind of violent. This is violence with stakes. Like... I think that's why it feels so grounded. Like, yeah, it gets bloody, but nothing is ever beyond the pale and nothing's ever really. So if, you know, if you're worried that it's going to be really gratuitous over the top violence, it's probably not going to be like that either. So, but yeah, it does get gory. Hmm. It does get gory. Um, Blood is spilt. And I totally admire the overall theme of the show, which is class inequality in south korea Mm -hmm. this is a huge basically the the thesis of the show right and i appreciate that this theme seems to be cropping up more and more um you know parasite dealt with that as well like class Mm -hmm. inequality and actually there was another netflix this was actually a movie and it was a spaniard movie called the platform yes and I, have you watched this movie? The way. <laughs> yes, oh, I have seen God. this. So that, that one I felt... Gratuitous. Ooh, <laughs> that. that was gratuitous. That was a very gratuitous movie. It was shot incredibly well. That was... That was... It shook me. Like, I had to, like, take a breather. I had to go on a walk or something after I watched that movie because it was so much. I can't actually... So, something really terrible happens in that movie. And I was eating a rice ball full of sour plum, which used to be one of my favorite foods. I haven't been able to eat it since because every time I taste sour plum, I see the vision of a clip from the platform like I'm scarred. Like that movie was like a lot. It but was it, a lot. But it and, it. <laughs> and I guess maybe because I've like worked up a tolerance to this sort of thing. Like, again, Squid Game didn't feel like gratuitous or over the top necessarily to me. No, no. What were the best parts of the show for you? Um, I'm going to go ahead and agree with the theme. I think that not only it it explores inequality, but it also explores like, what does somebody who's gotten themselves into a situation deserve? Mm. How much does society like, how much is it us to, for us to say this person's life is expendable because of what this person has done to themselves. They're worthless. I think that there's a very big question that's asked throughout the show of that. Like as, you know, players start falling away. The question Mm -hmm. just keeps getting louder in the background. It's like, okay, yeah, I gambled away my money. I did this. I lost that. I neglected this, but I'm still human. Do I deserve Mm. to fight to the death just so I can get a leg up? And I found that really, that was really stirring. Um, I really like the individual motives. Uh, Right. The show did a very good job and this is why it's not gratuitous. Uh, Instead of just here's this group of people all competing for this, say the way Battle Royale would do it, Mm 
Um, (laughs) They took uh, in Squid Game, and it's not a spoiler, but they take an episode to Mm -hmm. show multiple points of view. We get away from the protagonist and we spend a day in the life with all of these people in the financial situations they're running into their own personal stakes and why they have to play this game. Mm -hmm. So it's a very humanized grounded show especially for something so violent and so over the top i think they did a great job of connecting the whole motive and human condition of it all i love that about the show i agree with you wholeheartedly um what is the price of a human life yeah is it however much debt you owe is that your you know the price of your your head so to speak or is it more is it less because of your where you come from your background your class so to speak um these are questions that the show does not explicitly ask it's asking it in the subtext Mm -hmm. and they so i wonder it through the whole thing they all wonder they all wonder it's like (laughs) yeah yeah Mm. okay and what were the worst parts of the show for you uh the spoiler free worst parts of the show spoiler free worst parts and then you know what we'll jump into spoilers right after your answer all right. I think the worst part of the show, it had uneven pacing. Hmm. Like there was times where it was like, go, 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 and you're all in and it's awesome and everything is great. But I felt like there were a couple of episodes or a couple of parts in the show where it comes to almost a halt. Like, it, And it's such a change in pace and energy that it kind of threw me off. So, you know, that's one thing. But other than that, nothing really. I, I didn't I really didn't have many complaints about the show in general. And nothing really. I think that was yeah. the only thing, just some uneven pacing. Okay. I can Here agree with some uneven pacing. I can agree with maybe some English speech speakers in the show not being like Oh that. Yeah, well then yeah, but I'll agree with uh, that. Yeah, yeah um, that's <laughs> we'll talk about that for sure (laughs) so those would be my couple of nitpicks maybe no i think the ost is pretty standout especially the um the main song from the (laughs) that's in all of the tiktok videos yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah it's really memorable so that's a positive for me i don't know if i can forgive them for using my favorite waltz in the show as well, Blue Danube. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty rough. <laughs> I was like, uh, it's oh, going to be God. PTSD whenever that comes up now. Yeah, I was kind of upset that they used that particular waltz in the show, but it's classical music. I mean, it's fair game. All right, so I think we've given our general thoughts and a couple mm-hmm. of nitpicks for the show, but I know that you're chomping at the bit to talk spoilers for the show. Yes. So we're going to talk spoilers right after this. <laughs> you want to come in all right so we're on the other side of spoilers so if you haven't watched squid game you're about to be spoiled fyi okay where do you want to start miguel oh god where do i want to start let's go ahead and start since yeah go go (laughs) i was gonna talk about the games yeah. That we could probably talk through the games real fast. So the first game is the red light, green light, mm-hmm. or green light, red light, however you want to talk about it. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't <laughs> That's matter. like the basic light, concept of the game, right? Yeah, um, freeze when I turn around. 
run when I'm turned away. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So how did you feel about that? It was in the very first episode. So I saw all of the memes surrounding it, yeah. but I never saw how violent that was going to be. And I'm not used to seeing that in Korean dramas in general. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll see it in, like, in a movie here or there, of course, but in a drama, not at all. So once the first guy just gets shot, I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, this is <laughs> this is going to be like, this is real now. This is real. <laughs> then the second time, you know, another person gets shot, then they all scramble for the door. And it's just that no mercy, like, ballast of just being shot. It's... Mm-hmm. It was really jarring, but it really cemented the stakes. Like this show is not going to screw around, mm-hmm. and I love that. Even the uh, even the voiceover that gives the rules for the games. It's like to repeat, <laughs> the rules <laughs> yeah. of the game are, and everyone's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I loved it. It was a killer. Well, it was a killer entrance to the show. Absolutely intended. It has that whole swing jazz slow motion fly me to the moon bit going. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, and it did a great job of establishing the character of each person who's playing. Absolutely. I think that was the main goal of the first episode in that first game is to obviously weed out the non-main players (laughs) and uh, introduce the main characters for us in in an easier, high-stakes way. Exactly. I did like that they were playing in a school field. And this is something that I feel like Western audience audiences might not get is that they're playing in a school field that's the set or whatever that they're on that arena Mm -hmm. is a school field and um do you want to talk about the significance of it being children's games i do but i also wanted to point out something that might have gotten lost oh yeah western thing yeah something that blew my mind and i believe i forgot I believe it was the protagonist who was saying it, player four, five, six. One of the characters was on Jimmy Fallon, and they mentioned the thing about that little girl who is playing Red Light, Green Light, that big, creepy statue. That is a character that most Korean people are familiar with. Like, Mm -hmm. that is a character that's in their version of the, um, I know what we have it in Spanish. It's called La Cartilla Fonetica. I think Koreans have something similar. It's like a kind of like a, oh, you know what? The best analog for that would be like uh, Dick and Jane. Mm-hmm. Like it's characters that commonplace that you see when you're really little learning how to read and stuff. So I think that just adds another terrifying element. It's just like if a giant cat in the hat was in the middle of the field and just turns around and you all die. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's But yeah. Ugh, cat in the hat. Can you imagine? Or green ugh. eggs and ham? Sam I am is standing. That's the like thing. I can egg. imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I uh, I really appreciated the fact that they were playing children's games. It was uh, a bastardization of innocence. It was a loss of innocence. It was a redefining of your formative childhood years into something that's very sinister and, um, you know, deadly. And I, I appreciate that juxtaposition that something as simple as a child's game is could kill you. Yeah. And it's and there's a subsect to it. It goes back to the whole idea of like, what mistakes do you make in life? And at the end of the day, who decides what your punishment is for that? And how long do you have to be a slave to that? So these are people who are perceived by people in the upper echelon 
oh, you're getting into debt. You, you know, you've lost the pot. You're out to lunch. Like you don't know how to manage your money. Mm. You act like a child. So we're going to treat you like a child with adult mm-hmm. stakes. Yeah. And it's terrifying. I, uh, I feel like you touched on something about debt and the way that it is in Korea and especially portrayed in entertainment, which is how we understand Korea through this lens of we're seeing it through movies, TV, music, right? Mm -hmm. We've never been to Korea. We (laughs) are not Korean. And so in the context of these shows and stuff, the people that are debt ridden are extreme burdens on those around them, on their family, on their friends. And that's not something that we necessarily feel here in the West and in the U.S. that when someone has debt, It's almost so commonplace for every person to be in debt, to have, you know, thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if you're talking about student loans, especially, you know, it's not. It's something. It's a joke at this point. It's a meme. It's It's like, oh, yeah, I got paid. But yeah, then I have my student loan. Exactly. It's a joke. It's expected. But in Korea, it seems like the way that these people get in debt is super different than how us as Americans get in debt because what they're doing is going through skeezy private lenders, not the banks, not, uh, you know, the government or anything. And they're getting in debt over their head upside down. And Mm -hmm. the only way that they can pay it back is through these blood contracts (laughs) where they can take body parts from them. They can come into their homes and repossess all of their furniture, all of their belongings, their cars. They can harass them in the street yeah. and go after their family, their children to pay off the debt. It's really uh, a problem. You know, it's not and like. I wonder about that because, you know, here in the States, we have kind of an analog for that when. But it's also treated as a joke, you know, like, oh, the mob's going to get you, the loan sharks, big Tony's going to break your legs. But and again, this is like you said, this is just my understanding of it. This is something that's so commonplace, like they've exhausted the bank as a loan, as even an option. Yeah. So they're resorting to this. So here in the States, we have a lot of laws that go against predatory lending practices. No matter how much debt and stuff we get into, there's always an opportunity to kind of slip out. If things get to a point where they're more or less inhumane, but yeah. I don't really see any kind of reflection on that. And there's a shame element that they have that we don't here. Mm-hmm. You buy a $1,200 iPhone that you can't afford, but people are like, Hey, at least you got an iPhone and that's your right. business. You're paying it off yeah. over there. It's like, you're ashamed to your family, to your community, to your yeah. friends. Yeah. You don't deserve to be outside. Like it, it it's this real burden and it's jarring. It's It's jarring. And they are social pariahs to those around them. They are looked down upon. And this is just because they're in debt. They also come from low class. They already come from no money. They're not upper echelon. They're not uh, Mm -hmm. chivals or whatever you want to call them. (laughs) They're not heirs to conglomerates in Korea, which is a lot of K-drama center on (laughs) the chivals. So this is you know, parasite territory, so to speak. These are people living, mooching off others and trying to to just make it day by day. Yeah, they're just trying to get a leg up and to do pretty average stuff. I think that's the more alarming part. Like there's a couple of exceptions, of course. 
Um, one of the primary characters, she's, you know, a North Korean defector. Yeah. Who's trying to bring her family over. So that's one of the more extraordinary situations that we have where Speaking money is needed. But yeah. Mm, True. Everyone but else is pretty mundane debt. Exactly. <laughs> she is definitely it. a little bit different. And she's not only different because of her character coming from the North and being basically an outcast because she is North Korean. But this actress, Jung Ho Yoon, this is her only acting credit. I'm impressed. I didn't she, know that. She was a model before this, <laughs> and this is her big break. And what a hell of a break! Because I think she's <laughs> the number one followed Korean on Instagram. I it wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of guys who are like really, and it's partially a meme. But so many people are like <laughs> simping her so hard. They're just like they are. This is, it's her. It's her. Like she it's covered all the bases with this character too. She did. I think she. She was such a strong character and um, resilient and badass. And that's something that we don't necessarily see in K-dramas where like no. a girl is willing to like shank a dude. Yeah. And she had this kind of stoicism about her where she was like she understood the gravity of every situation. We see her trying to take care of her brother. So she's more than just a one dimensional right. uh, pouty, sultry girl like a lot of these k-dramas do she's just here like okay i know the stakes i need to get it like when she throws the pot of hot coffee in that dude's face oh yeah and she's oh. like cross me again i was like no, <laughs> no. i love it there's it, like a ferocity to her and there's a there's definitely a ferocity to a few of these characters but her especially i think that struck a chord with the audience and that's part of the reason why other than that she's beautiful but that definitely yeah, struck a chord stunning. with yeah that People really like to see uh, women with agency, and she definitely was full of agency. In this she's full show. of agency. She's trying to. She she's her own person. She's sad. But she's also trying to like. She's sad. She's trying to help her family, mm -hmm. which is massive. You know, so there's she's people. Noble. Yeah, not even just in North Korea. Like there's there North and South Korean relations. Like you know, there's people all over the world who pay people to bring people to a country to have a better life. I think that that resonates with a lot of people. This girl is just trying to get a better future for her and her family. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And it was played. What I love about it, it was, it was played in a non hysterical way. Like it wasn't like sure. the feisty <laughs> underdog who's gonna like, no, she's like, no, I got shit to do. Like, yeah, I'm, like, I need to make this work. I love that about her. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't chewing As the scenery. As opposed to. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk about this character? I do because I hate to say it. She's the other side of this coin. Because mm. I, I, I got to be honest. I love her. I love her. She's horrible, <laughs> but I love her. Um, what was her name? Uh, Kim Kim Jo Hyun, uh, the yes. chorus woman played by Han Mi Nyo. Oh, no, it's uh, reverse. So the character's name oh, is Han Min Yo, and she's played by Kim Joo Ryong. She was like the pick me to end all pick me. <laughs> like <laughs> she was like, oh, there's a dude who looks strong. Let's go over there. She was loud. She was boisterous. And I think in a very roundabout way, I might be reading too much into it. 
But I think that she was set up to be the other side of the coin of this other girl. I think she's mm. your very, she's kind of like a parody of your very common, loud, feisty K-drama girl. You know, like she's very obnoxious. She's very loud. Yeah. But even with all that, there's a kind of charm there going. You don't know why you're going to follow her narrative, but she's like. She's the loose cannon. And I like she, that. It's she, great. Uh, there's a couple of. So in my own movie watching and TV watching, whenever there is a story that you can kind of figure out the broad strokes of, of any story. Right. Yeah. There's a couple of characters that they throw in as wild cards. Right. I call them yes. wild cards. I thought she was a wild card. I thought the undercover cop was the main wild card. And then I didn't necessarily call him a wild card, but I called that the old man was going to be the puppet master. Oh, yeah. Saw it coming. Saw it coming. Sure. I put together a ca- episode <laughs> right one. away. You texted me. You're like, I had just finished it. And you're like, hmm. This old guy seems a bit suspicious to me. I'm like, oh, she's already cracked it. Like, that's it. I, know. Like- <laughs> I was like, bruh, the first of all. So we just talked about two characters. We can talk about the old man now real fast. But the man, the <laughs> this viejo, like, as soon as I saw his number, that his number was 001, I was like, forget it. Like, yeah, that's it. He's super sus. And then he was only too eager in episode one to start running again. While everyone else was still shocked at the bloodshed during the the red light green light game, he was completely they tried unfazed. To play the dementia angle, but I'm like that doesn't that doesn't track. It that, only that, came like, in work. during that episode, the Gambu episode, the marbles with the marbles. That was when that he like played up sad. the dementia. <sighs> I would say Do that's you the think best. It's episode. nice to take advantage of an old man, and it's, I was like, he knew, he knew. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I think that's. What would you say is your your favorite uh, episode slash game? Because mine is the Gamble, the Marbles one. Oh, um, they're all so good, but I'm going to have to go with the one with the Marbles, too. It wasn't my favorite episode, like, in general, but I think it worked as, you know what? I think it might be, because I love the second episode where they're all outside and they get all the backstories of all these characters. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the episode with the Marbles was, like, the culmination of that. Like, yeah. here comes everybody's personality to do them in or mm. to help them as mm. best as it can. Everyone's making these decisions they didn't think they were going to make. Everybody's put in the position like, this is real now. Like, we got to get out of here. So the marble game, I loved it. It was also like the saddest episode it of this was. whole show. It was. It was, uh, like you said, a culmination. It was the deepest cut. I think that they bamboozled the audience just as much as the players into thinking that they're going to play the game as a pair. Yeah. Not against each other. Yeah. It was going to be like, Oh, two are going to come out at this. And right. It was going to be a group, uh, group project, so to speak. And mm-hmm. <laughs> 1-800, you thought it was not the case. They had Ali. to, <laughs> I can't, I can't. I can't. Ali, <laughs> is probably he got done so dirty the worst ending to a character i think was his his heartbreaking it was heartbreaking heartbreaking. because you saw the evolution of his relationship with um what's his name cho sang Wu, which is a childhood friend uh the embezzler the white collar thief Mm -hmm. which again that's another uh Thing that we can talk about is that he's a white collar thief versus 
the other guys. Like he probably feels a little the bit superior. The underlings, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Ali is actually really unique. He's representing an entire um, culture of people that exist in Korea. You know, these workers. Pakistani people who just work and his boss hasn't paid him for three or four or five months. Yeah. And like, and it, it's tragic because it's like, it really that's a kind of diversity and a kind of diversity in storytelling that you don't get with Korean dramas mm-hmm. at all, like mm-hmm. at all. So to see a Pakistani character with his own stakes living in a shipping container with his wife and his kid, which I found that interesting because after he smashed his boss's fingers in that like press machine, he got okay. enough money that he could have just dipped. Right. Like, I don't oh, know. I don't know. I that was like a lot of money. I but couldn't I tell know. you. Whatever. He took a, an envelope and just dipped. But that <laughs> when the boss's hand got like ripped to shreds, that was the only time in the whole show that I was like, ah, oh my God. Oh. Me too. I, I didn't see it. Coming. I was like, ah, ah. Like, yeah, yeah, my yeah. My sister's like, what's going on? I'm like, ah, oh, the fingers. <laughs> the fingers, they're gone. <laughs> so that was. They lingered on that one. <laughs> that was, that, that was, maybe that was the gratuitous one. But you know what? The effect was worth it. It was, it like, was oh. worth it. I, I. Don't fault it for being shocking. Um, yeah. But yeah, Ali is fantastic. I love the fact that they have this Indian actor who's been playing bit parts in K-dramas for the past few years come in and actually <laughs> steal the show. Like, he is so um, compelling as a character. You feel for him. You want him to make it just as much he's as... He's so kind. Like, he's so kind. He, he saves our main dude in the first game. He's down to like band together to like, oh yeah, let's do this. He shows respect through honorifics. He's willing that to pay back thing. anyone who he thought that owed him. I was just like, when, yeah. and then I, my heart was broken because I didn't know. I try to shut my brain off as much as possible so that it could really land the impact. And I'm like, it didn't click in my head, whatever he put. I thought maybe the marbles that he had in his pouch was going to be less then, you know, maybe the other guy stole a majority of the marbles and he was going to lose on a technicality. But the fact that he switched it out with stones after he's walking around watching all these people get killed with the hope that he's like, oh, it's going to be fine because I just got to find another player. Like that was I was gutted. That was. Rough. Yeah. Cho Sang-woo was absolutely cruel to ruthless ruthless to do that to him after they had established this brotherhood he was calling him young throughout the show mm-hmm. not his name like the subtitles would have you think you know young is like a term of endearment it's implying a closeness that they're brothers because young little literally means brother and um mm-hmm. he turns on him he yeah. uses this manipulative I mean, he's been manipulative throughout the whole show. We got the clue of it with the Dalgona. The Dalgona. He knew which shape to choose because he had an idea of what the game might be. Yes, he he knew what the game was. He got the easiest shape just in case he was right. And he let even four, five, six, he let him go get the umbrella. Yeah. Can you imagine? What shape would you have chosen not knowing the context of this game? I would have chosen the umbrella and I would have been dead because I love umbrellas. Like, when <laughs> no context, been, if you saw that, you're like, oh. Yeah, I think it would have been umbrella or star. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't have chosen the circle or the triangle. 
the triangle. Because, like, where's the fun in that? Well. Yeah, I want to do yeah. the umbrella. <laughs> oh, umbrella or star. Umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would have we died. Um, I, the point I just, blank shooting, just like, pow. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, it, it was awful. But the Ali death, I think, struck struck me the most. Yeah, it was just and then he calls out Hyung before he, he's like Hyung and then he gets shot it's just they did us the favor of not showing him like get shot shot they though. did yeah like they, he, it they was really actually had a pretty, respect for the audience yes and I I thought that when they didn't show the old man getting shot either where yes. it was only Ali and only player 001 that didn't get <laughs> a full face <laughs> shot um on screen and that you could read into it as much as you want i think that he's just as important as player 001 who turns out to be a major <laughs> influence yeah. on the entire games um which We're is gonna nice get into that reveal because that that's gonna deserve its own thing yeah yeah we'll, but we'll talk was the about marble the game like your favorite game the marble like, game was my favorite because it had the most tension to it Mm. to me the red light green light was almost like yeah i know who's gonna make it out it's a tutorial thing like the sugar cookie dalgona again i was like i know who's gonna make it out and the tug of war again you know who's gonna make it out what about the glass platforms that one again i was like it has to be it has to be song Hoon. it has to be cho sang woo the child or friend, the manipulative mm-hmm. asshole who killed Ali. And it was either going to be um, one of the girls. Right? Yeah, yeah. Either, yeah. you know, your course, uh, Han Minyo, pick me girl, pick me girl <laughs> street smart lady, the, that Ajuma, or it was going to be um, Kang Sebyok, the North Korean. Yeah, there was really no. How great was it when they get back from the marble game? Ooh. And Hamiyo is just sitting there like, hey. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a and great like again. at her all shell shocked. That's she's literally. Like, yeah, well, it's fair. It's fair. We're all equals here. So if I don't have a partner, I can't play. Uh-huh. That's literally the definition of a wild card to me is that they take her off the board, but she's still on the board. Yeah, she's still you there know? and she's looking at his name, the thug. The his name um, is Casey right now. Uh, let me get it. Oh, uh, Jung Doksu. Jung Doksu. It's a face oh, that, tattoo man. <laughs> their their whole relationship was a ride. Roller that coaster. Was, that was that was wild. That's a show that in itself. Wild. Oh yeah, and I love that. Like I loved their dynamic together because he mm-hmm. thought that he was just gonna get over on her, like he's gotten over on everything else, and he finally met his match. And it wasn't the way he was expecting. Yeah. I, like, I you think he's gonna bully everybody, and it's like, no, it's it's this wild card chick who's gonna bring you down. Literally. Exactly. I appreciated <laughs> that they planted that seed when he betrayed mm-hmm. her the first time. She was like, Okay, fine, but I'm gonna kill you before this thing is over. Yeah. The game is not gonna kill you. I am gonna kill you. And I was like, Yes, bitch, preach it. <laughs> Speak it into existence, and that's exactly what happened. You know, there, there's some things that people say in a show, and I'm like, that's never gonna happen. That's but not usually, happen. when somebody says something like that, you're waiting for the moment. Yeah, you're ready for it to happen, and you're. But it comes in the way you least expect. I think what I liked about it is 
she kept her word, but it also speaks to why she's up there. She's in my top three, like for characters, because she was so sure of herself even until the end. She's like, okay, I'm not going to win this, Mm. (laughs) but, but I know who I am and I'm taking you with me and I'm going to die on my own terms. (laughs) And that was that. Like that was, that was really cool. I love that. So we haven't talked about the cop, the undercover cop. Oh, yeah. Because he's the main wild card. You kind of expected him to bring it down from the inside or something. Um, Never, never happened. (laughs) Never happened. He doesn't bring it down from the inside. He's trying to find his missing brother. He is super resourceful. How predictable was that for you? Oh, that was very How, predictable. That was very predictable, right? Like that's a standard. The fact that his they were like his brother's gone missing, and he's not on the roster of this season's Squid Game players, and he hasn't yeah. died. So I was like, okay, so he's in on it, and it Vader, must be something. Like. Yes, I was like, it has yeah. to be someone we haven't seen their face yet. So, and there's only so many people that have enough clout within the show for them to be like that's the brother that's the uh surprise right and so it was very predictable to me that it was the um the black mask dude the front man who was played by eve young-un hello like oh oh (laughs) my god it's eve young-un he's done masquerade memories of the sword those are a couple of his movies i know him from iris do you remember recommending iris to me i remember i remember back in the day (laughs) this guy i remember and that's one of the only dramas that went on to have how many spinoffs like and it had a movie (laughs) yeah it's insane so he's in a powerhouse i know and he's also in another netflix show uh, a netflix original mr sunshine from 2018 so Mm -hmm. it's almost like netflix is drawing from like its own pool of k-drama actors who have featured in other netflix shows which is common for Netflix. Netflix likes to push forward like the same actors right. over and it's over like, again. It's like, what's that guy doing? Let's go get him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Eve young is a great pull, a great um, face to have underneath the black mask. And again, it's not really a surprise to me. It wasn't a surprise to you, but no. I'm sure people were very happy to see Eve young Um Did you expect him to shoot his brother? K-drama. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You did expect yeah. him to kill his brother. And I fully, no, he's not dead. That's what like, I think too. <laughs> so look, this is where I kind of get into the problems with the show, right? Because everything was going great. It was like an amazing mix of like, people are going to look at this and they're going to be fascinated by Korean culture. It's like, wow, they have red light, green light. Wow. Right. What is this Dalgona thing? I love it when a show can really present a different culture in a way where people are going to be like, oh shit, we're not that different. And the things that are different are fascinating. Let's see what that's about. Now, when you've been watching K-dramas as long as we have, (laughs) that kind of like optimism is there, but it's on a different shelf. Because when we get to the last two episodes, this show starts falling into the common trappings of the average K-drama, the same way Parasite does near the end of the movie Mm. also. And it's just like, oh, no, 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 no. And (laughs) so when the big reveal happens, I'm like, okay, cool. But if he doesn't shoot this cop in the head, we're getting a second season. 
Right. That, that, that's, that's all this is. So he shoots him in the arm and he falls into the water. We don't see him. That man is still alive. He He's going to be fine. He's fine. <laughs> like, and I don't like, I wish that there would have been more of a buildup because I get that he was looking for his brother, but I felt like the cop was going to do something bigger, I guess. Mm. But I guess he didn't have the time. But I guess this sets up the stakes for another season. Like, okay, I got to take my brother down with my Ronald McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) Four, five, six player. What was the red hair? What was the? Oh my god! Okay, we're jumping all the way to the end. Hold on. So he obviously we don't think that Juan Juno, the undercover cop played by We We Hajun, is dead. No, he's going to come back as a wild card for season two. We obviously feel like Netflix would be stupid if they didn't do a season two. And we know Netflix, they're going to do a season two. They're going to. They're going to. Um, did you Anna expect that the brother was a... <laughs> did you expect that the older brother was a 2015 winner? Um, no. I that didn't was surprising to that. me. Because the rules... I think that's what I liked about the show is that we get a really horrifying glimpse into how long these games have been going. Mm-hmm. And the motive behind creating the game and everything. And we look at that and it's like everything that they would peel back, whenever the wallpaper gets peeled back, you just see more stuff behind it. And -hmm. it just raises more questions and not even in an unsatisfying way. Like when he goes down there and sees all these binders, it's like, how does any of this work? Mm -hmm. Who's behind this? How is this organized? You know, is there like a system where if you win, you're the new runner of the game? Like, there's so many theories and so much stuff going on that I, I didn't expect that. And I'm still not altogether sure why he was the lead of this. The fact that the brother was a 2015 winner and still decided to get on the payroll was very surprising to me. And I'd love to know more about that. So that's something I'm looking forward to for season two that they're going to, I hope, beef up Lee byung yes. front man. Because they're seeing there, what the hell happened here? Because he witnessed all this carnage and still came back for seconds and thirds. And, you know, he's been on this he shop. He came for back and he looked at that and said, This is reasonable. Like, and he even alludes to that when he's speaking. He's like, You know, these people have nowhere else to go, they yeah. don't have anything to do. And it's kind of like, in in the mix of all of it, somehow he survived all. I guess he's my guess is that he survived all of it, got a bit of a God complex. Like it comes mm-hmm. back to that old underdog story that happens here. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's another trapping of debt, capitalism, all the rest of it, where you have one guy who against all odds or against odds that are just so tilted against you that it really is luck rather than perseverance. And then they get on top and then they look down on everyone. Well, I did it. Why can't you? Mm. Well, I did it. Why shouldn't, why should you guys get a leg up? I'm already right. here. So I'm living proof this can work. Mm-hmm. It's awful. It's horrifying. <laughs> Terrible. Um, do we want to talk about our main dude for a second? Because I feel like yeah. he is such a great vehicle for us to follow and for the show to really um, put some, put some effort in his story because I truly love Song Gyun as a character. He's so sympathetic. He is basically the 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 homeless poor man with a heart of gold. Yep. On through and through. He's a bit mischievous, a little immature, but he's not a bad guy. 
He, and I think, he knows his lot in life and he's just trying to get out. And I feel like everyone thinks of themselves that way. That they yeah. feel like, oh, they're just a punk going through life. And they, I feel like everyone is a little bit mischievous like a child and is experiencing everything for the first time and with a kind of wonder and um, open-mindedness about stuff. and But still, you know, doesn't want to get stolen from wants to have fun at a, at a horse race gambling yeah. and not lose like all their money. But it's just kind he of wants basic. to take his daughter out just for a basic meal. Oh my to, God. Like, that was whole, time with her. heartbreaking. That whole thing was so heartbreaking for us to see him taking his daughter out. He had the best intentions. He won that money and he signs a blood contract, gets the money gets stolen, jacked. gets jacked. <laughs> his face is busted and he has to take his daughter out for street food. They end up yeah, having like tteokbokki. Oh my gosh. And, and I, then it's Western audience. Like, she's like, it's okay. It's okay. My mom doesn't let me eat junk food anymore. So oh, this is a treat for me. And I was like, oh, Western audiences no. don't really understand that tteokbokki is street food, right? It's cheap. Yeah. Kids have it after school. It's not a fancy meal. It's not expensive. This is like the least amount that he can do. Like, what is an equivalent yeah. of that for us? Like, an oh yeah, like Burger King. That. McDonald's. I mean, yeah, it would be, you know what it would be? It would be like chicken nuggets with fries. It wouldn't even be a burger. Like mm. that would be like nuggets and fries or just Dollar like menu. a 20 piece of nuggets. Like here in the States, you'll probably see that like in an Asian fusion restaurant, like in a tiny fancy little black bowl with some chives on it for $9. That's not the case. <laughs> so look, he's like $1.50, two bucks for this bowl of just, it's just rice cake covered in sauce. Mm-hmm. It, it really just doesn't get any more basic than that. So equivalent here is like not even fries. Just here's some nuggets. There's your chicken right. nuggets, a 20 piece. It's, <laughs> it's very sad. And um, it really lets you understand where he's coming from, that he is struggling yeah. so much. He's got to borrow money from his asshole um, ex-wife's husband now. Like it's it's wild. Um, you really feel for that character. And I appreciate that. Even though it's very obvious that he will live to win the game, that he's a worthy winner. He's very worthy. And I love the thing that really nailed me on his character from the beginning was when all of the players are getting their photo taken and he puts like this big (laughs) cheesy smile. Then they go to like the hexagon where all of the photos are and everyone looks all stoic or scared or crying or angry or determined. And he's just there with this big, like shining (laughs) smile, like, like I'm here. Yeah, it's he's very naive and he's very simplistic. He sees the world in black and white. And I think we'd all like to be that way to still see the world in black and white. And And he's he's very very childish, 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 but in in an innocent way, just like. I love when it comes down between him and the asshole who we can just call him the asshole because okay, that's yeah. really yeah, that's <laughs> him. Yeah. The pride and joy of their town, which is oh. what they kept referring him to. Um, I love that even when it comes time to be face to face playing the actual squid game, you know, Guiana's just like, OK, that's it. Like, we don't want to play anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, w- like, we don't want to play anymore and nobody has to die and up until the very end, Gion is just like trying, but doesn't work. Yeah. But it's that every man complex that works, like for the show. Like you can relate to him or you want to be him. So Sangu, I do want to touch on this is that he was suicidal. Yes. 
he was in the middle of committing suicide when they knocked on his door and gave him the squid game card for mm-hmm. round two, right? To come back yeah. to the games. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, they just telegraphed how he's going to die. He's either going to die in the games or he's going to commit suicide, which was his original intention. He's already suicidal. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Like you're, they're faced with one of them has to win. They tried to hunger games it with, we can mm-hmm. both be the winner or we can both <laughs> leave. Right. We can end this yeah. thing because it's a majority vote for ending yeah. the games. All he needed to do was say yes. All he, he needed to do was say do yes it. to live, yeah. to live. And it wasn't, it wasn't enough for him to just say, no. or why would he, he go back? That was or leave. Yeah. Right. That was exactly what he was because he lived with no winnings. He was going to commit suicide before going back into the game. So I was like, the circumstances are the same. He's going to kill himself. And the really just messed up part is that if they both would have left and even gotten part of the prize, or if only one of them gotten it, they both still would have won because Gano would have given them like more than half, if not all of it or like a ton of it. Yeah. Like, so, but the rules were never made clear about what happens if they both walk away. Well, if they both well, walk they away, both the, walk it away, goes to the, all that money goes toward those that died. Yeah. I still games. don't believe that that's going to be the case though. Like, so hey, the thing is the I way. do, I do feel like that is the case because the entirety yeah. of the game was predicated on fairness. Mm-mm-mm. And so they their families were, would get like a sudden windfall out of nowhere. Exactly. So they were religious about everyone having the same playing on the same fair field. And yeah. I totally believe that these squid game amorphous <laughs> beings that have created this game would in fact give 40 billion won to mm. all of these hundreds of people that died. Yeah. The fact that they um, kept their word at all, like, actually shocked me. I gotta be yeah. honest. Like, the fact that they gave him a card in the end at all mm. blew my mind. I had a feeling they were gonna just throw him out and that was it. Like, ha, huh, just kidding. It was all for nothing. <laughs> like, I think it's that cynicism that comes with, you know, what are you promised by someone who can give you so much more? Like, who, they don't have to deliver. Who's ever gonna believe this guy? We could ditch him in the middle of the street. And he'll ramble all his life about how he was kidnapped. You know? The amount of trust that these people have to have in these faceless people is incredible. I mean, they literally have nothing to lose. No, and they don't. And they don't lives. even speak. They only speak with their guns. Mm. Like we need to get out of here. And nope, they're just standing there with their gun. Mm. Nothing. <sighs> I don't think we addressed this, but forty-five point six billion won is thirty-eight. Point seven million dollars u.s dollars yeah that's a lot that's a lot i mean i can't even i can't even spend a million dollars so and it's how quantifiable is that like (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean all of these people's lives in the end was worth this it's like oh yeah if you divide what is it 38.7 million dollars by 455 yeah then that's the value of each player. <laughs> what a mess. It it's great though, but it's can we talk about the upper echelon like that VIP club? Uh, that was Yes, that was where I was going next. Tell me what do you want to say about VIP? That was the biggest I had a surreal moment with this. So okay. the first thing that I saw about this was like, oh of course. All right. Like you know what I mean? Like 
I hate to say it, but Squid Game now lives as headcanon for me. When I see people who go missing mysteriously, oh. that's what I believe is happening now. <laughs> you know, you see things like Jeffrey Epstein's Island. You see things like, mm. and it's like, you know what? This is starting to make sense now. And I don't mean that in a way to like make light. I'm just saying this is a very thorough piece of fiction that makes perfect sense on way too many levels. Right. So when the VIPs show up, I'm like, that makes sense. These would be the CEOs, the this, the that, covered in masks. A little bit on the nose. You know, right. the whole eyes wide shut mask thing was like a bit yeah. much. That was, I felt the same way. Yeah, like when they came in, two, I got two things out of that. The first thing was like, it was a little, it was a little, you know, whatever. Very Bond villain-ish, but I'll let that mm. slide. But the other thing that I didn't expect to feel was like, I've gotten to know like all of these players and like this cool playpen and when they show up it's kind of like when your parents come to pick you up from summer camp where that whole like (laughs) oh it's just you and your friends nobody else exists it's like oh the parents are here like Mm. their presence in the show and showing the sadism how much they were enjoying these players dying pulled me out of the show but not in a bad way it just made me empathize and sympathize with the players even more yeah and it turned my hatred towards the vip and the staff way more like it amplified all my feelings across the board right um it just made me think of course this is about the low class being exploited for the upper class for sport for entertainment which was my guess the whole time right yeah it was just confirmation for me at first i thought that the games were like charlie and the chocolate factory (laughs) or willy wonka and the chocolate factory (laughs) where these games are happening and the winner is going to basically inherit some sort of empire. Yeah. But it wasn't. But it wasn't that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Not yet. We Not don't know. Yet. <laughs> we had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they bet money on them like horses or greyhounds and they got annoyed when their favorite player lost versus... Uh, they weren't upset that at the loss of life. They were upset that their player was out of the game. That and they, they had all were the information, money. too. Like, they had the information. Like, the glass pane game I found very interesting. Because mm. one of the last standing um, players was looking at the glass. He's like, I worked in a glass factory for 30 years. I can tell the yeah. difference between tempered glass and fragile glass. And seeing the VIP members, hey, isn't that your guy? Yeah, this information was in his binder. I didn't even read that. Damn it. I should have bet on him. And it's like, yo, like (laughs) the extent to which those like VIPs disregarded the humanity of the players is incredible to me. Yeah, it was depraved. And what about the voices, though? That was awful. That was awful. The English speaking was not so good. It was just a robotic it was robotic and out of, but I did read why. I found out why today, actually. Go for so it. So when it comes down to it, adding uh, English, and this is, it, it may sound like a generalization, but I've read enough about where it's like, okay, this seems like it's a thing. As far as I can tell, it's a thing where the actors that are being pulled in are models who are biracial or they're white who live in Korea already. And it's like, oh, let's get that guy. He speaks English. And that's fine. But the reason they can't deliver the lines isn't necessarily because they're poor actors, but because they're giving no context to the scenes. They're just like, here's these lines, read them. So that's why the conversations were like, hey, you bet on that one, right? Ha ha ha. 
And the other person's like, yeah, I totally did bet on that one. Like, it didn't feel like a natural conversation. So they were just blindly given their lines. Also, they were so far apart, the characters couldn't hear each other. So they were literally (laughs) shouting. That's why it sounds like they're shouting. Oh, my gosh. It's a mess. But the really creepy fat guy who tries to sexually assault. uh, If you can please me in the next five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, that was a whole thing. That was a whole thing. But in real life, it turns out he's actually not like that, like not a criminal, but he's just as boisterous in real life. They asked him what he thought about the role. He's like, I've gotten so much fan mail. Everyone loves me. What? (laughs) He's literally (laughs) like that in real life. He's living. Oh, my gosh. He's like, I got new suitors, both male and female. I didn't expect this. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) He's tasted blood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, That whole thing. The VAPs are just meant to juxtapose against the players. They care nothing of the billions Billions of one pot that the players so desperately need and want. This is a Tuesday for them. Yeah. Um, All in a day. (laughs) All in a day. It's very casual, nonchalant. When this is over, they're going back to their wherever they came from. Like, it's nothing. (laughs) So um, I think at this point, we got to talk about the ending and Willy Wonka slash the man behind the curtain. (laughs) Because (laughs) we mentioned it before. This Haraboji, um, player 001. Yeah, that I already was... listed that he was too eager to like play this game. Um, he somehow survived the massacre night where it was like the strobing effect happening. Yeah. You but know, and how... somehow he got all the way up to somehow. Yeah. Exactly. Um he meaningfully gives player four or five six his jacket and says people will look down on him if he's not wearing his jacket which is something that someone only of an upper echelon would put focus on legit the context of what they're doing yeah i know we're fighting for our lives but your hair you know what i mean yeah that's not something people of their class say yeah it wasn't it (laughs) precisely stand up straight when you're killing someone (laughs) (laughs) I get yes. that we're fighting to the death, but posture. <laughs> like That sounds like something old money would ask of you. You're killing me, Miguel. Okay, so in the Gambu episode, he's having his dementia episode, and he finally ends mm. up at this house. Um, and inside, outside this house, there's the Squid Game symbols. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a dead giveaway, too. Yeah. Ugh. And he was lying yeah, convincingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your house. He was lying <laughs> convincingly throughout the marbles game, pretending to have dementia, letting him con him out of his marbles. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, so he's very comfortable with lying. Um, he also says it's only fair when he proposes that we, they should do all or nothing for the marbles. Yeah. So he's obsessed with fairness all of a sudden. Yeah, fairness which is a clue into the fairness and equality that they're given, like, by down by... Like, there's enough clues that even if you didn't... Like, I wouldn't blame anyone for not seeing it coming. And if you completely shut off your brain, like, there's enough clues in there where you can still logically piece it together by a certain point. Mm-hmm. But the game, I think, is the dead giveaway when he's like, oh, and you think it's okay to fool an old man. 
Mm. Like he dragged him through that whole game. But also, what about when they're on the outside and he just shows up? Like in the second episode, he's like, oh, you want to share some soup and a whiskey? It's like, oh, you were okay, just only... in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, he li- he's lived in this neighborhood his entire he in this mm-hmm. neighborhood his entire life from squalor to where he is now. And never once he's seen this guy yeah. except for this one. Like, no, like, like Come we on. can stop now. Like yeah. the, the dude, the front man says on the phone, I'm happy to hear you enjoy the game. Like that's what? Just after the old man was was killed, air quotes. (laughs) It's like, okay, um, I'm sorry if you were, you didn't see it, but again, I feel like it was very obvious. He is the the ringleader, the man Mm -hmm. behind the curtain, Willy Wonka. He is the creator of the Squid Game. Yeah. The final episode. He did. (laughs) Which Joker moment? He has the Joker moment like in the Dark Knight when which I've always hated this scene because it's so unrealistic. But, you know, let's go for it. Humanity, morality, whatever, where they give the two boats, a boat full of convicts, like a, a button that'll detonate a civilian oh my boat God, what and a the pull. civilians, a button that'll blow up the prisoners yeah. and humanity overwhelms them and they both just they cast away. the Yes, button. he did. And an that's exact, the same thing he, he tries to make exactly what he did in the yeah. final Ep- minutes of the show really mm-hmm. um he's asking the question do you still trust people after all that you've been through do you still believe in the inherent good of humanity and just like dark knight the villain is proven wrong <laughs> yeah um it's, you know everybody steps over him and one person who looks like they go away they get a cop they save his life and we still don't know if the old guy was actually alive to see it like that part is left ambiguous. Uh, Guillaume says, "Like, no, you saw it, and that's why you're dead." I hope, yeah, I hope you, you saw it. <laughs> yeah, you lost. Yeah, he you bet lost. his life on this thing, which didn't quite factor in the same way that the Squid Game does, because he was already on his deathbed. But yeah, um, yeah he basically says that the rich developed Squid Game because they were bored. And wanted if to you have, have too fun. little money or too much, you get miserable is their whole idea. And it's like the thing I like that they played it that way because they kind of took an old trope and they put it on its head in the mind of this old person. Like all of this makes perfect sense. Right. And and he's handing it down to Gian like the way a grandparent would hand it down to their grandchild. Like, you know, you know, when you have too much money, it just gets really hard. And I want to thank you because, you know, without an ounce of cynicism, you showed me what it was like to have fun. And he's like, everyone I know is dead. All of these people are dead. These very real. Yeah, but you showed me how to have fun and you're still a good person. And it's like, that's not the takeaway, old man. Like all these people died. He's so twisted and morbid that he says he had this was the most fun that he'd ever had in in such a long time and that he left Gyun alive because he had fun playing with him. And he doesn't even thank him. Like he thanks him in earnest, like not even yeah. in spite of the people who died, not even in spite of Gyun's experience. He like recognizes that they're dead, but he also recognizes. But the important thing is, is that you showed me how to have fun again. And I can't believe I got to get that before I died. Like we're supposed to be like, Oh, 
well, I'm glad I, you know, you're, he you, says you had to, your whole make a wish moment and you have like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, and I was just like, this isn't, this isn't heartwarming. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> like, yeah. My God. I hate I that know. he almost insinuates that he doesn't need squid game anymore to feel yeah. alive because there's nothing like the experience of being in the game. Right. At this point, if he would have carried on living, forget it. Like he would have invented even worse games. So they would have a front row. It's and I think that plays back to being rich, right? It comes back to all those anecdotes. Oh, well, I and you know, I don't I'm not meaning to get political, but just in the general stories you get of like that anecdote of when I came to London, I only had two things, a dream and 50 million pounds. (laughs) It comes back to that idea, right? Like, oh, this nameless ultra billionaire who owns the one of the biggest companies in the world you know they started off on the lower east side all they had was an endorsement from their dad and their dad's friend of 30 million dollars it's like oh okay like they live in such a skewed world and this old man does too like it's of course he recognizes it as fun because for him it is fun and there are no stakes no he's not gonna lose that game he is not going to die the players or the the crew would sooner reveal the fact that he is not an average player than to let him die. Mm. So there was no, of course he had fun. There was no stakes. Yeah, of course. Typical playground rich people stuff. It's too much. Did you like that? And I think I liked it. I think that, um, that I like, first of all, I expected it, but I, I enjoyed this ending, you know, I did too. I did too. I like that it happened in the confines of, I think what I like the most about it is that it happened in the confines of a very quiet room where it's only two of them. Like it's a very interesting, placid exchange between two people. And I think that's what really drove the point home. Yeah, they, they did that very well. What I found interesting, what, yeah, that's what I found interesting is that the old man was so rich that he was placed in this empty gigantic floor of a high-rise building with Mm -hmm. his hospital bed and his oxygen and a front row seat to death i mean it was still very morbid and luxurious in its way exactly what he wants yeah 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 amazing It, it, it it's it's so well done it's so so well done like he's just sitting up there kicking like oh all right yeah this floor is mine (laughs) maybe the building is like who knows who knows Um, what was the tower called it was a big company too oh i can't like it was a telecommunications company and it's a real company in real life which i found interesting Mm. but mm. we haven't talked about one major dude and it was the suit man gong yu gong yu with the um subway Dalgona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like with that little card flipping game. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I, I've seen a few memes of this that I love, like that I love, but the one that stands out is Squid Game if it happened in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a woman sitting there with her, she's sitting there with Tim, with a pair of Tim's. You know, the whole train platform is empty. She's sitting there with her, you know, her puffy jacket, whatever. It's just like, and the the same woman comes over in a suit, very manicured. Excuse me. <laughs> Stop it. Nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I saw this one. <laughs> Can I talk to you? 
I said, get out of here. <laughs> do you want to play a game? <laughs> a game? Uh, what do I look like? Saw? Nah, I need a car. I need a car. This train. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's excellent. The memes and the uh, spoofs are hysterical but what would you do if that man approached you like oh no i hi would you like to play a game with me what no no (laughs) absolutely not we're not doing this he's a he's a model for uh ralph lauren right now bro gungu is doing great people are simping after this man again he's coffee prince again the casting goblin um yeah the the casting of gongyu i think is perfect Perfect. Very sharp, orderly man. Only kind of creepy, but disarming enough where you can kind of look past it if you're desperate enough. Yeah. Incredible. And this is Incredible a reunion casting. with him and the director because he's the star of the movie Silenced. Yeah. And the director yeah, yeah, yeah. of this, Squid Game, wrote and directed that movie. So it's almost like a Scorsese type of thing happening. It's where, like a homecoming thing working out. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I he's a fantastic him. cameo. He had a fantastic cameo. Ugh, he did good. a great job with the part, too. I love very that he sees stoic, him very again serious. at the end of the movie. That little wave, that terrifying little wave, like you're never going to see me again. And even if you do, oh. what are you going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> So you mentioned the red hair. I don't know what the hell was up with that. I don't, to me, that's the equivalent of that trope when a woman in a movie goes through like a traumatic event and then chops off all their hair and smears their lipstick and punches the mirror. I guess that's what they were going for, I guess. But when he, or I guess they were trying to go with, you know, fine, he's feeling at the end of his rope. He doesn't care about anything. Sure. Give me the feminine red haircut, like with the Marcel swoop and everything, whatever. It doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. I that, don't think it fit the for character. Me, killed it. No, not at all. Like maybe blue, maybe purple, <laughs> maybe like shave the head like all the way back or into yeah, a box. Yeah, I was something. thinking, oh, maybe he'll just be clean shaven with a regular haircut, but no, he goes with. <laughs> it's not even <laughs> a stylish with- red. I it know. looks like such a young haircut on such an old. It face. looks. And it's he like looks K-pop so young red throughout. It's, yeah, it's K-pop Revlon Red, just like, boom, like, and it didn't, I, I didn't like that because I could forgive so much about the end. Um, I could forgive the reveal that it was his brother because it was a very big actor. You know, the cop finds his brother. Oh, the cop with it, yeah. Yeah. The front man. I can forgive the obvious player 001 is in on it. I can forgive that. I can forgive him adopting the kid and having a whole... Keanu Reeves, um, John Wick moment of leaving the suitcase of cash. His, you know, his mother passed away. Yeah. There's nothing left for him in this town. I'm, I'm getting my bag and I'm leaving. I can deal with all of that. Right. Fine. They're cliches. They stick to the wall. But the red hair <laughs> pulls me out of all of that. Like I can't take any of it seriously at all. And I. I resent that. Like, I still love the show, but it spoiled those moments where it's like, Uh oh, my God, he's reuniting with the North Korean girl's brother. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, he he did right by her. But then, you know, I can't take that seriously because he looks like a clown. He looks like Ronald (laughs) McDonald. He's just about McFucking had it. Like, you know, like he's (laughs) 
it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. I, I don't He's know like going to ba da ba 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 his way back into the game. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, so we definitely are going to have a season two. They, yeah, because he doesn't get on a plane to the U.S. to see his daughter. He decides he's going to dismantle the Hunger Games from the inside. So we're going to have Catching Fire um, next season. <laughs> we only winners in the in the <laughs> Squid Game are going to play. Um, yeah, I want I'm them just to joking. do something cheap and bring back some of the dead characters. I wouldn't care. Quit. I, I could see it. Couldn't no. you see it? I could no. see it. This is oh, not 13 f- Reasons Why. They're not going to no, bring no, back no, the same. Are you sure? Like, no. oh, they thought they burned me, but this Shut cop escaped up. in the nick of time and undid the furnace. Because the timeline matches up with that, right? He could have just gone back in and, like, shut it. They, it's a Korean drama. People come back from bone come marrow transplants. No. Like, they're, they're going to be fine. <laughs> like, I definitely think the only person that we're going to see come back from the dead is the cop. (laughs) The phone calls coming from the bottom of the trench. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be as a phone call too. Darth Vader is going to pick up the phone and trace the call. It's coming from inside the room. (laughs) Okay. I think we're done. Do you have anything else you want to say about squid game? Um, I'm trying to see. I think I had a couple of stray observations. Okay. Uh, one of them was, it was something that really unsettled me. It wasn't the Dalgona thing. Oh, well, yeah. Something that I found interesting were that characters cheated on some of the games and they just made it through. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately their fate caught up with them, but I'm convinced that, you know, they knew that they were cheating. Like yeah. Yeah. Like, there was no way that they're using a lighter and a needle and all this other stuff. Like, they knew. Um, We didn't talk about the whole... um, um, It was that organ ring they were stealing. Yeah, that threw me off. The organ harvesting thing. Like, the... I guess we can call them moderators or the game runners were, like, Mm -hmm. running their own little side projects, selling organs to the Chinese. I don't... I mean, it's plausible, but it was kind of such a red herring of a motive and it took up almost an entire episode because we thought, oh, they're being killed for this. And it's really much simpler than that. It's like, no, this is literally just a chance to win. It was for Uh, the cops storyline because they were like, oh, there was a dude in here that only had one kidney. Yeah. And And it's like he was like, who was that that you killed? And took their kidneys that was gross. So, yeah mm-hmm. that whole thing was really gross um ooh, there was a moment that i really loved and it was god it was when because again kept introducing the other guys oh he was the one who went to this university and he's the pride and joy of this town and this yeah, and he that. basically went to harvard right yeah so when so, he gets in his, in Gion's face about like, oh, you know, we need to, we all had a chance and we all did this and we all did that. And Gion responds, it's like, that's really interesting. And you say all that and you say that you're the pride and joy of this town and you're well-read and educated, but you're still in here with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I found that exchange to be really powerful because you yeah. could tell it's the first time he ever heard that in his life. It's like, yeah, that all may be true, but you're still here. Right. <laughs> like Why are us. you still here, so, homie? You got out. Yeah. You're so much better than the rest of us. And yet, yeah. you know, like it's it, it's I thought that was interesting. I thought 
the show just has so much to say. And every time you like rewatch an episode or if you like you, you're going to catch something each time. Mm-hmm. Like I plan on rewatching this really soon. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I, I, I just I don't know. I, I really liked it. Uh, if it wasn't for the red hair, this show would be perfect. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it. I really, really the red hair. Okay, I had one stray observation, and it was on the Marbles Gumbu episode mm. that the alley set that they were on looked identical to the Reply 1988 set, oh. where the entirety of Reply 1988 takes place on like this alley of, yeah. of where all these characters live, and Reply 1988 is like a comfort drama for a lot of people. It is. <laughs> So easy to watch and fun and uh, heartwarming, right? So even the players, when they get out onto the alley set, they're like, I used to live on an alley just like this in Seoul. And it was so much fun. And we used to play and they were having the reminiscing Mm -hmm. on their time as children living in this kind of neighborhood. And again, it's turned on its on its head because they they start dying in the streets and the sky is like this horrifying Ooh, yeah. vermilion shade like where it looks like it looks like a thunderstorm just passed but the sun's going down like it's an oh, ugly yeah. apocalyptic red oh what about this other chick the the girl what was her name she only she was really only in like two episodes the one oh, were you who, talking about the um yes the girl that pairs off with the north korean for the marbles yes 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 that girl that girl was pretty chill that girl was pretty chill the fact that she just like basically sacrificed herself um that was very emotional for me um that was her and ali in that episode basically wrecked me oh yeah when they're like what are you doing like the north korean goes like what are you doing throw the marble and she's like you kept asking me, what am I going to do when I get out of here? And I've been thinking about that for the last 40 minutes and nothing comes to yeah, mind. She's got nothing to live for. Yeah. And the North Korean girl gets like mad at her, just like really angry because it's like, no, you're basically making me kill you. And mm. she's like, that's it. The game's over. Like you won. And it's like, no, no, no. <sighs> Maybe they do make that's it brutal. to Jeju Island. I hope that they pull something like this whole dying thing just wasn't working for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> cause you really feel for the characters you want them to live. But, uh, I don't know how they're going to do it in the next one. Like, cause <laughs> this cast was really good, like yeah. really good. But eh, I want to know yeah. who's <laughs> running the games now that the old man is the creator's dead. Yeah. He's gone. Right. Yeah. So he succumbs to the brain tumor. Think- Oh, yeah. Well, you think it was left to the 2015 winner? Like, what if he comes back? (laughs) Do you think it was left to the front man? I think so. Is he Charlie? Next in line. Was he the. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I was right. I was half right. The 2015 winner was Charlie and he inherited the chocolate factory. Okay. See, you keep saying Willy Wonka, but now in the next movie, I want Oompa Loompas. Like, I want a Korean Oompa Loompa sequence. Stop it. Instead okay, we of gotta killing go. people at blank range, just dragging them away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. that's, that was that was what I thought happened to the very spunky girl. Like when they were, she's like, "No, I need my partner. I need my partner." <laughs> we should have known she wasn't dead when we didn't hear a gunshot or something. But whatever, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but 
water under the bridge. All right. So thank you so much for go, uh, going on this journey with me, talking about Squid Game, Miguel. This was so much fun, and I'm glad we got it off our chest. I was looking forward to this episode because I had so many thoughts that I had to get down, and I didn't want to write them. I just wanted to talk. <laughs> so, yes, I, I'm right there fantastic. with you. I, I I had a great time. The show was amazing. Like I I haven't talked about this with anybody yet. So yes, same. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was. This was like a venting. This is a very long episode, but this was a venting process. And uh, I do want to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us for this very long episode. And if you have any thoughts whatsoever about Squid Game, please reach out on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at ATC Debug Pod. If you send us something and it's directed toward Miguel, just let me know and I'll make sure he sees it. <laughs> um, <laughs> because he would be so happy to interact with you guys as well, I am sure. Um, I'll be back if you have me. Yeah, of course. Of course, we'll have you. You're like my original K-drama buddy. Uh, of course, I'll have you back. Um, so, yeah, again, if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for listening. You can go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of them. If you'd like us, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best thing you can do for us. And the next best thing that you can do is become a patron. That's the best way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash always critic pod. All right. I think that's it. I think that's all that's we it. have for you. Are we doing the soju bottle thing or? Oh my God, you're right. I totally forgot. I just, how like, many, I know it's ended. How I'm many soju bottles? Four, bottle? four, four. soju bottles. I would give it four as well. I would give it four. That four last one bottles. I drank after Ali and <laughs> the North Korean girl were taken away. So <laughs> it's not even their oh. fault. Yeah. <laughs> I poured out half of that last one for them and then I yes. threw the rest of it when I saw the red hair. <laughs> like Ooh, okay. So they get four. <laughs> red hair. Okay, that has been our show. I am Jessica and this has been the always the, no, always the critic presents Debake Rambles <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thanks guys. Yeah.